From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn, a podcast produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'm Thomas Phillips. Welcome to our fourth and final episode of Chisholm's Choice. Over the past month, we've heard from the citizens' reporters about their interviews with the residents of Chisholm in the lead-up to the election. In 2019, the electorate was one of the most marginal seats in the entire country. But things were a little different this time around. Today, we'll hear some post-election analysis from reporter Petra Stock and reflect on what it means for Chisholm to have both a new Prime Minister and a new MP. I started off by asking Petra to tell us more about the outcome in Chisholm. Even though there are still some seats in Australia that still to be have a final call in Chisholm, that wasn't the case. On Saturday night, it was pretty clear that Labor's candidate, Karina Garland, was going to be the MP for the seat, taking over from Gladys Liu, who had held the seat uh, in the three years prior. So there was a result for Chisholm on Saturday night. So in 2019, Gladys Liu won her seat by only 0.5%. And this time around, it looks like, at, at last count at least, Karina Garland won by 7.6%. What is it about public sentiment and her campaign that caused so many voters to swing left, do you think? I think that was really interesting. Something that was different about Chisholm was that Karina Garland did seem to have quite a strong primary vote and then, as you mentioned, an even stronger vote once preferences were allocated. I think it's interesting because going out to Chisholm during the campaign, it wasn't it wasn't one of the seats where the election was kind of front and centre. My sort of uh, sense of it is that her campaign was a lot more low-key. I guess some key factors that, that might have influenced the outcome we know during the election, obviously, Chisholm was a key seat, the most marginal in Victoria, um, and there were a number of community-held forums in Chisholm, um, including one run that was run by one of the people we spoke to, the Students for Climate Action. And one of the things that was a bit of a trend throughout the election was Gladys Liu didn't turn up to a number of those community forums. Some people I spoke to mentioned that, and I guess that was something that was noticed by the community. So um, that was potentially one factor, although, of course, you can never know what reasons drive people to vote. And another thing in, in speaking to various different people in Chisholm voting with different policy priorities is a lot of them were really focused on particular policies, particular issues, things like climate change, NDIS, um, refugees. And in a lot of those cases, Labor did come out with policies to deal with those issues that were maybe um, what those voters were hoping for slightly better than the Liberals. So you recently did some reporting for Crikey and the Citizen about the atmosphere in Chisholm in the last days before the election. Can you tell listeners a little bit about what you saw? Yeah, so I went out to Chisholm um, to the pre-polling, one of the pre-polling stations that was running in Mount Waverley, which is in the centre of the electorate. Um, that was pretty interesting, even getting there. The car park was full, um, you know, it was like... 
turning up to the supermarket on Saturday morning, you know, you sort of had to wait for someone to leave before you could get in. Um, there was a pretty steady stream of voters heading in um, and it was interesting to see Anthony Green um, did a kind of rundown of the pre-poll votes and the postal votes, um, both of which were very high for Australia this election. And in Chisholm, pre-polls um, were among the highest for the different seats. And that was really noticeable when I went out there. There was this sort of stream of voters heading in. Both of the major candidates were there, sort of greeting each person walking in, but people sort of had their their eyes down and appeared to have a very firm view and be ready to vote, not really looking to engage too much with either of the candidates. So that was really interesting to see and, and reflected one of the people we spoke to said in her final interview um, that people she knew in Chisholm had already decided, had already made up their mind and knew what they wanted. So our reporters have been covering Chisholm for over a month now. Did they pick up on any major election issues that the mainstream media might have overlooked? I think it was really interesting because there was this whole range of different views that people talked about when we spoke to voters in Chisholm. Um, one of the ones that came through a lot was housing affordability, um, which wasn't something that was significant in the early stages of the campaign. But then actually, um, obviously, there was broader voter interest across Australia in that issue because both major parties um, announced policies around housing affordability at their campaign launches. So that was an issue that one of our Chisholm voters that we spoke to brought up. Something that came through a lot through a number of different people was climate change, real concern and wanting to see um, stronger action on climate change, which we know wasn't something that was covered much at all throughout the election campaign. The leaders didn't speak a lot about climate change, but in a lot of the um, commentary about the election results, um, you know, the stronger vote for the Greens, a number of these independent candidates getting up on a platform of climate change. There's a lot of people now saying that climate change was a significant factor in the election. And certainly we saw that in Chisholm with a number of voters, different age groups, different suburbs, different backgrounds, all saying that that was an issue for them. Probably another thing that was really prominent in Chisholm was migrant voters and perhaps that stood out more because Chisholm itself is home to so many different migrant communities, large proportion of people born in China, but also India, Sri Lanka, Greece, um, and issues um, relating to migrants' rights was something that came through. And also, obviously, um, there's been um, increasing rhetoric around Australia's relationship with China um, and we saw that during the campaign as well. I think in the very last days of the campaign um, some scaremongering from Peter Dutton around uh, a spy ship <laughs> off Australia's coast actually not doing anything illegal or but yeah um, those issues definitely came through from some of the Chisholm voters 
concerns about, you know, increasing antagonism towards China uh, and concern about Australia's relationship with China. Yes. One of the interviewees mentioned he was mistrustful of Gladys Liu because of the alleged ties to the Chinese Communist Party. To what extent do you think that maybe disadvantaged her? It's hard to say. One thing that um, Gladys Liu did get asked a lot about was at the previous election in 2019, there was an issue with um, election signage where the Liberal Party had election signs in Chinese directing voters to vote for Gladys Liu. A number of different forums, such as an ABC Melbourne forum that was held um, at the Glen Shopping Centre, that was a, a significant focus of questions directed at her. In that regard, I think there were questions um, about about that practice at the last election. There was also a Labor ad that was put out during this election, which I guess um, was trying to stir up a bit of a uh, bit of voter concern about Gladys Liu and her links to the Communist Party. We also heard from one frustrated Chisholm voter who'd become more politically engaged in response to Victoria's pandemic response. What impact do you think these newly politicised voters had on the way their campaigns unfolded? I think that was really interesting and interesting for the election as a whole in Australia. You know, we've spent two years um, with the pandemic ruling our lives and then in this election it sort of didn't seem to figure much at all in terms of, you know, what the leaders were talking about. There wasn't really any policy announcements and certainly the media wasn't focusing heavily on the pandemic. But we did have this one voter very upset about Victoria's response. Obviously, lots of lockdowns in this state. And another voter we spoke to who was very upset about the federal government's response to the pandemic, delayed rollout of the vaccines and those sorts of things. Some media were predicting that would play into the election and into votes in Victoria, but I think as we saw on election night, Jane Hume acknowledging that maybe um, the Liberal Party had over-egged the idea that voters would be angry enough with the Victorian response to vote, I guess, against the Labor Party. That didn't seem to really happen. That voter in particular, I think, talked about voting for the Liberal Democratic Party, which was one of the smaller parties running in Chisholm, but also in other seats. And on the other side, one thing you could say is there was an increase in votes for a lot of those smaller parties, including the Liberal Democrats. So maybe there was a bit of an effect there, but not enough to dramatically affect the outcome. I guess we'll have to wait and see how much of an issue that is at the coming state election in Victoria, where maybe that's more relevant. Finally, what do you think the outcome in Chisholm tells us about the country as a whole? Obviously, there was a mood for change. And we saw that in Chisholm, but also in a whole range of other seats in Victoria and also in inner city New South Wales as well, inner city Sydney. Um, there was obviously a real mood for change around climate change. We saw in Chisholm an increased vote for the Greens as well as for Labor. Um, and that was something that we saw across Australia. 
most likely reflecting people's desire for greater action on climate change. I think one thing we saw in Chisholm too was people were really focused on the issues that mattered to them and wanted to make sure that their votes reflected, you know, the issues that they cared about. And I think that's something that um, seems like a change as well, rather than often elections are presented as a contest between two leaders, but really it seems that people voted in this case more on the issues that mattered to them. Um, And I think we saw that in Chisholm. Thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks for having me. That was Petra Stark. You can read her reporting about Chisholm in The Citizen and Crikey. You've been listening to part four of Chisholm's Choice. The Yarn is from the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. It's produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. A massive thank you to Petra Stock. Our executive producer is Louisa Lim. See you next week.